Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. I have a special guest for you guys today. Her name is Chrissy Carroll. And um, she, like me, had a spouse who was murdered. And she has become what I call one of my tragedy buddies. And we're going to get into that in a second. But first, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and uh, we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. All right, I'd like to introduce to you my friend Chrissy Carroll. I got to know Chrissy because back in August of 2017, she was walking down a street in Brooklyn, and they were approached by some bad guys, and her husband ended up getting murdered. And she and I became friends. I have a lot of friends who I've met because of shared tragedy. I call them my tragedy buddies because we speak the same language. We can finish each other's sentences. We've walked each other's shoes, and we're in a very small, exclusive club. And so she has a very interesting story of her own personal experience with tragedy, recovering from tragedy, which is an ongoing process. She's an actor, an improv performer, stand-up comedian, and uh, just has a really good outlook on life. Chrissy, welcome into the back room. Thank you, Andy. It's lovely to be here. Am I one of your first normals? <laughs> you are, it, well, it depends how you define normal. Are you a, a major celebrity or a no, well-known politician yet, or no, journalist? No, to the gods. No, but happen. you are, you know what you are, because we've talked about it. You are what mm -hmm. I call one of my tragedy buddies. I know tragedy buddies. Yeah, Yay, people, like, people like you and me who have been unfortunate to walk down a certain path in life that is filled with tragedy and horror. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because I think you do have an important story and I'm honored to help tell it. So let's talk cool. about your background. I grew up in Sunset Park in East New York, Brooklyn, mm -hmm. raised by my uh, Puerto Rican grandparents. They're a huge influence in my life. So I am bilingual because of them because I was their interpreter translator since I can walk and talk. Yeah, they moved to New York City from Puerto Rico in the 50s. So they, uh, they raised me. Is there a story with your parents and why your grandparents raised you? I guess both parents decided that they couldn't raise me. So my grandparents, especially my grandmother and her wisdom, um, did everything legally paperwork-wise and got them both to sign off the parental rights to them, but promising them that they could visit me and hang out with me whenever they could. And then my mother decides to die young. So she dies young and beautiful, but they were great parents. And yeah, my grandparents were lovely. Mm -hmm. And so your late husband, George, when did you guys meet? Oh my gosh, we met 2004 at the Yaffa Cafe in the village. Like, I, I had like a horrible date the night before. So I was hanging out with two of my gay guy friends, one who was recently passed. And uh, I was wearing like a cowboy hat. And he lived on that block. And he was there, but he kept looking at me. And I was like, hello. So then he came over to the table and we what we did back then, and you probably remember, we wrote our numbers on paper. <laughs> right. So I gave him my landline number, not expecting him to call, and he did. And we dated, and then didn't work out or whatever. But he would always keep in touch with me, and then we reconnected, writing a play, and the rest is history. Now he was from Texas, mm -hmm. so he saw you in a cowboy hat, and 
Is that it? I mean, is that all it took? There's a pretty girl in a cowboy hat. We probably discussed the cowboy hat. That is hilarious. Um, but yeah, he was Mexican American from Corpus Christi, Texas. I mean, now there's a lot of people from Mexico in New York City, but growing up there wasn't. And when I met George, um, I was like, "Are you Tex-Mex?" And he's like, "That's a food." Um, and then we both did our DNA, and so his Mexican ancestry came from Texas. So he just got super excited. I'm a real Texan, so that was major at that time. <laughs> and then we were going to get married in New York, but his mother was sick. So we just rushed and got married in Corpus Christi, which was really lovely because I wore her wedding dress and all her stuff. So I was like, oh, saved. And then we had our reception in a dry town. In a dry town. There's no drinking in the town. Why did you fall in love with George? You could call it reluctantly falling in love with someone you like. Because we had dated. Because we had dated previously and it didn't work out. Not for any huge reason. It's just, you know, sometimes things happen. But he always used to keep in touch with me. I guess it was the love of the arts. He was really charming. Um, I guess the love of the arts and writing. We were just passionate about film and TV and writing and trying to write different things. And so I guess the passion for having a similar love for something. And I guess it grew from there. And also, like, I totally understand men who um, I never say I love you first. I'm not the person that does any of that. So after George passed away, all these, I don't know if this happened to you, but you start excavating and you were in therapy. You're like, oh, maybe this is connected to the parental stuff. Mm-hmm. So... So maybe because it's all like, connected to the parental stuff, everything. And it's good because, because everything you don't like about yourself, is just so easy to just blame mommy and daddy. It's not my fault. Look what they did to me. Yeah. I mean, I missed my parents. I missed my parents and I used to cry over them. I missed them. And then I just, I guess that's where the sarcastic humor mm-hmm. comes from. So, so I was just sarcastic ever since a child and dealing with things with humor, even though I looked down on comedy when I was studying acting, I was like, I want to be a serious actor. They don't give Oscars. But then after he passed away, I was like, I'm glad I was wrong. I'm like, this comedy thing, let's see what this is all about. And it's been so helpful well, and it, fun. And right, and it is helpful. For me, it was and is. I mean, if I didn't have the ability to look at tragedy through the lens of humor, I would probably not be doing as well as I think I am doing. At the time of the murder, you guys had moved from is it cypress hills yeah yeah to so Greenpoint so to be safer because that was a safer neighborhood yeah we moved to Greenpoint and loved it you know and then we were checking out different places in Greenpoint to make it a more permanent you know sometimes you move to a place let's try this out mm-hmm. and, oh let's try any place let's try it out george used to always say this he always used to say this these are our golden years you can't wait to like for xyz when you're retired to do things these are the golden years you do these things now so we were at the drift bar that night, you know, talking about what we're going to do next. And then what happened, happened. So on the night of August 18th, which was a Friday in 2017, you guys were at a bar in Brooklyn and you were walking home after yes. the bar. That's where you were headed. Yeah. And I didn't go to all the days of trial. My Texas family was here. I went to the days that I needed to be there just, you know, for your own sanity. But what I learned at trial is that my recollection, because our brain does many wonderful things to protect us. My recollection of the evening is incomplete. It's not the whole story because my brain protected me because of all the different things that happened to George. But we we were walking home like we had just checked out some apartments in the neighborhood because we really liked the neighborhood. It was creative. It was really cool. And um, yeah, so it was just us walking home. It was like 930, right? Yeah, it was us walking home. 
an evening. It was a beautiful night. We crossed from one part to the other side. Words were exchanged. The incident occurred. Even talking about it, um, but lesson before healing. So, yeah, and and um, and I wish I would have gone with him in the ambulance um, because I I just thought that he oh okay it'll be he's hurt mm-hmm. but I'll go to the hospital and he'll be fine you know he'll be totally fine the police officers want to chat with me I was like oh well so he went with the EMTs um to the hospital so they and... did, did the cops make it seem like you stay here and talk to us he's fine he'll be okay because you can and you can catch up with him later was that kind of the scenario that was I guess there were so many things happening at once mm-hmm. it was it was so much I mean the the next day, the FDNY had to car wash the sidewalk and the street because there was so much blood. Right. So it was just, it was, it was, it was a lot. Neighbors came out and helped with towels. It's just, there was so much happening at one. Um, so it was, it was a lot going on. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I picked up a quote that you said, George was a victim of a random act of violence and his death was unexpected. He was a playwright and an actor who loved deeply and passionately. He was fiercely loyal and stir up for what was right. I love him. I'm in shock. And it's those last words, which I, I totally understand. I mean, I, you know, where you and I are so similar, there's also elements that are so different. Like, I found my already dead wife. You were there watching him be killed, which I, I mean, I can't begin yeah. to fathom that. And I can't even fathom what I would do in that moment. I'm sure there are people who hear you talk and go, you didn't go in the ambulance? What's wrong with you? But I can understand, yeah. like, yeah. I've been in that kind of moment, and I understand how it's... the room is spinning. And so I'm wondering, like, looking back now after six years, is that a real moment of regret that you didn't go in that ambulance? I I mean, it's, it's in, in terms of regret, I have survivor's guilt because I was there. I was there. I was, um, I was not attacked. Nothing happened to me. They were just focused on him. So not going on the ambulance, it's a little bit of regret, but not major because I assumed it's an injury. I'll see him at the hospital. It'll be okay. But more like of the sur- survivor's thing, like, why am I here? Right. Did you face a lot of judgment afterwards from people? Uh, yes. And then I stopped reading it. I uh, um, I, think I do remember from the police station, I was wearing a cute little dress that night. And it had like my Tory Burch orange LA flats, which George had bought for me. They're in storage. They have little bits of, see, you and I understand the sense of humor. Other people won't. They have little bits of my husband on them. Like mm. his blood is on them. Right. So, yeah. And also, one thing that I remember, there was a young cop at the station and he was like, oh, do you want to clean yourself up after, after they chatted with me? Because there was a lot of blood on my legs. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. Do you, do you recall Jackie Kennedy? Do you know that? Story, oh yes, like, now we have stuff in common. You, I was you're you're like a Jackie O of Brooklyn. She was like, <laughs> I'm not. They asked her, "Do you want to change?" She was like, "No, no. The world needs to see what they yeah. did to him." And she spent the yeah. entire day in that pink outfit, uh, yeah. with, with his blood all over it. And and yeah. I, you know, it's just it. I understand it. You understand it. But I think a lot of people, I'm like, why wouldn't you change? I didn't even notice because I was just so focused on what happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't. So this came like a huge. I would call it like a huge baby wipe. And I was like, wow, this is a lot. Mm. And like, I noticed like the stuff on my shoes. Maybe in the future, I'll do like a little um, exhibit with those little shoes because um, I am uh, weird that way. And I don't know if you look at yourself this way, but 
the person that I was and the person that I am now are two different people. And I know we've changed all throughout our lives, but I look at her and I'm like, wow, look at you being all brave. Another thing that's really funny is that my teeth. So I always have a chipped tooth that has to get done. So that spring, I'm walking around with half a tooth and then I'm talking to the media with half a tooth in August. So that's another tip, guys. If things happen, get that tooth fixed. You never well, know that's like what Jewish mothers media. say. That this is why we have to always wear clean underwear because if something happens, that's important. It's like, oh my God, my wife just got murdered, but here I am in the hospital and I'm with dirty underwear. Because that's really what's uh, important, right? You brought up the underwear. I'm about to tell you something funny about George. Sorry, George. So <laughs> funny things happen in this process. So the undertaker, we brought clothes for George. And then my friend was like, Christina, you didn't bring underwear. So they put underwear on George. And I was like, I didn't bring underwear because you didn't wear underwear. She was like, oh, he's wearing it in the casket. Um, so I read also something where you said you guys were walking and there was these guys sitting on the stoop. One of them said, what are you looking at? My husband, he's a Texan. He's like, I'm looking. And that kind of yeah, started. Yeah. And then you guys kept walking, but then yeah. they chased. Yeah. And, and that's when it happened. Yeah. That is the gist of it. And I also think, because I was reading about that, I also think that with men in a situation like that, you can't win it. Right. And a situation like that with certain types of men, you can win because Often, you can be like, yeah. I'm, I'm not involved. Leave me alone. Like, I'm good. You, sorry. Oh, they'll use the P word. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not brave enough. Or they'll use like a, a homophobic epithet. So if you go the other way, like, no, I'm good. You know, you guys, whatever. There was no win there. There was no winning, whatever, in that situation. Right. So this guy was arrested like a week later and he was smiling at his perp walk. Why did the trial take? five years to happen. Um, yeah, I think that's something interesting, you know, when people watch Law & Order and they think like, the incident happens today, tomorrow, right. we go to court and then the, everything's wrapped up. I think also COVID delayed it. Ah, uh, right. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to trial. So I, I used to joke around with the ADA. I was like, can he just die peacefully of COVID in prison so we don't have to right. go to trial? That's and okay to say. It's like, I got COVID. Right. Um, so you wanted to avoid, that was going to be a question of mine, which is, did you want to do a plea deal and avoid a trial? Did you, would you have preferred that? Um, in the beginning after George passed away, I was like, I'm going to go to everything. And I started going to everything. And then I realized court is a totally different country that right. one does not speak the language to. You can't even have a little thing to comfort you and your hand. You feel, oh, I'm totally naked sitting here. Also, before you wait, for your case, you have to listen to all these horrible cases of other people. Right. And I was like, I can't do this. This is not good for my mental health. Wow, George you just would... you just brought me back to that. I had totally forgotten that. My brother-in-law, God bless him, he he went to every day of the trial, even the piece of the medical examiner's report and all that stuff. I was like, I don't need to be there for that. So I only showed up when I needed to and testify and victim statement. The trial was January of 22, and then he was sentenced in February of 22. And he was uh, 24 years old at the time. He got 20 years in prison, <clears throat> five years post-release supervision. He was convicted of first-degree manslaughter. How do you feel about that sentence? I, have, I know how I feel about Adrian's killer's sentence, but how do you feel about 
20 years. I'm getting a lot of feelings. I'm getting a lot of feelings, Andy, but I'm learning how to think before I speak when I do this stuff. I'm learning about the criminal justice system. I don't know as much as I would like, but I'm, I'm not happy with the, um, the verdict because I feel that it was deliberate because he came out and then went back to his car to get the weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knife. Um, so, so it wasn't an accidental thing. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're like, if you hit me, I'll push you. That's, that's not me planning. So I feel like it was planned. Um, also, I feel by the time he's my age, he'll be out because he's a young man. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to feel when he's out? Because Adrian's killer is going to be out. Maybe you know any mobsters, Andy? You know any mobsters? I care him. I'm joking. Hey, I'm joking. I'm joking. Right. I'm joking. Comedy, folks. It's comedy. It's comedy, comedy, folks. It's not a call true, for a true. hit. But um, the time passes really quickly. You know, like uh, our guy got 25 years, and now it's maybe only eight left. And so I'm going through all these emotions eight years out. I, I can't imagine how I'm going to feel when it's eight years from now. How do you think you're going to feel? when you're whatever age you are and all of a sudden it's like i have to be honest i don't know but like my late father used to say feelings are not facts so yeah, i may feel something today and years from now right. i may change mm-hmm. and that's so true because you of probably course. know this like grief grief feels like this whole thing older and you're like so exhausted so now it feels like it's a it's like a comfortable little ball that mm-hmm. i travel with so now you're tragedy like mine made it to the front pages of the tabloids literally front page new york post picture of the spouse whatever was it incredibly surreal the first time you saw like a headline like that on the front page and like i you can't believe you know, i'm talking about him in the past tense yes I, I remember looking at the front page and going like wait a second is this really happening is this really happening you felt that um, way? yeah it was it was really surreal but on the flip side, I wanted to get as much attention to find the person, right? Right. Let's get as much attention to find the person. I mean, I, you know, you watch your husband get killed and then like for seven days or whatever it was, that person's still out there. Yes. The killer is out there. I understand it because I lived through that, but yes. it's not a great place to be, you know. Trump was elected in 2016, so I used my full name, Christina Romero Carroll. I mean, I have long black hair. I think I look Latina, but sometimes people don't. Um, my husband used to love getting super tan in the summer. So some in the media, because his last name was Carol, because his father, they, they portrayed us as a white couple. And I was really fighting against that because I didn't want it to make it seem white couple, Latino killer. I'm like, no, we're all Latino in this. But it sort of went a little bit. And it went to certain places. I was like, oh, wow. And some of those people in those dark places donated to the GoFundMe. So that was really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for his funeral. Yeah. You started that to pay for the funeral. I did. Someone suggested it. Um, so that that's another piece of advice. People, if you get married, you got to have a funeral fund. You have to have. <laughs> you never know. If that, put that on the wedding list. Registry. Right. <laughs> registry, We'd like some thank China you. and a burial plot. Not a bad Undertakers idea. Are, Not a bad idea. Undertakers are so funny. Undertakers are so funny. They were like, Christina, um, do you want to buy yours? Do you want to buy your plot? I was like, you know what? Thank you for suggesting it. Yes, let's do it. So I will be married in Farmingdale, Long Island. I can understand wanting to raise the money early on in the marriage for the spouse because, you know, because then you're going to be left with having to deal with it. But like when you're gone, yeah. you know, somebody no, else's well, problem. I mean, 
That is true. That is true. I, I mean, I dealt with two, with my grandparents and my grandfather was a vet and they had everything covered. But yeah, so I have my line done as well. That that whole process. Um, How do you yeah, feel about the the killer? Are you angry? Are you forgiving? Do you ever want to see him? Oh, that's why when I watched your documentary, I was like, wow, he's repentant. He's apologetic. So at the place that I'm at, there's really nothing to forgive because you're not repentant of anything. I really have no feelings about it. You don't want to see him. You don't want to ask him why to do it. You don't want to say, I hate you. You don't want to do, you don't, you don't no, want to do that restorative justice thing where people hug it out. You know, you don't want to go, oh my you don't God. Want to go near him. No, mm -hmm. no, I mean, I maybe restorative justice. If it was someone that we knew or family member, you know, like. That or if he was apologetic. This, this is, yeah, yeah. So this is the stranger. And I totally understand what you, you can't be apologetic because then that ruins your case. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about therapy for a second. I didn't have much positive experience from it. I think the people I went to, I think they needed therapy because they just couldn't handle, you know, like this thing, this is too big for me. And literally, so I went from like one therapist to another in like a six week period and just went to one session with each of them. Finally, I, I met this woman and, uh, and basically she just said, shit happens. What do you want me to tell you? Shit happens. And I was like, that's amazing and perfect. And I'm, I'm, our work here is done. And really those two words helped me so much. How much therapy did you go to? Did you find it helpful? Are you still in therapy? You're still dealing with the tragedy in therapy? Well, there's the Office of Victim Services and there's this organization called Save Horizon. So they deal with people like me, right? So the therapist that I go to, she has a lot of experience with people whose family members have died by homicide or domestic violence and all these issues. So, so she's well over to chat about many different things. And I didn't start immediately. I didn't have the energy to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I started maybe, maybe like a year or two afterwards. Yeah. And I'm with the same person. Also, she and or a representative from that office came when me and my family were at the trial. They're well-versed in the criminal justice system. They're well-versed in uh, being with clients that have, have had these horrible things happen in their lives. So, um, so yes, I mean, so far, so good. Like, I'm not, uh, don't chat with her all the time. But when I do, she helps me see things in a different way. So I guess therapy has been a good experience. I saw you quoted as saying that back then, I'm getting by on my faith. You also said about George, what was most important for him was getting into heaven. As someone who is religious and who relies on faith, how do you reconcile devoting your life to God, to religion, to doing what right. you think you're supposed to do, uh, and then in the end, this thing happens. I was an atheist before Adrian died, so it's not something that happened afterwards. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think about like, what if I was a religious person and then this happens? Be like, right. what the fuck? Do you have those thoughts? That is really interesting. So I was raised in a Spanish-speaking Pentecostal household. So, so we went to church mostly. It was me and my grandma. Um, and you can have like a whole conversation on religion and Greek communities and all that stuff. Well, it's not only church, it's keeping you connected to your culture and language. So I always believed in God, but I find that it's after his death, it's been really helpful because at every mass, I don't know if you're familiar, the dead have always remembered. And the way I was raised that, that wasn't that way, but the dead have always remembered. So it's like, 
oh yeah, my mother, my grandparents, my husband. And you pray for the dead. And so it's, and the mystery of faith. I like the mystery of things. And so I, I think it gels well with me and I leaned on it. You, didn't, you a, didn't take it to that direct place of why couldn't God prevent this? Um, no, because I guess I've dealt with that with my mother. She had moved to Puerto Rico with her mom. She was a native New York girl. I lived with her a little bit over there and then she stayed there and then we used to go visit her. But as a child, I was like, well, I don't know my mother now, but when I'm in my 20s, we're going to get to hang out and be cool as adults. And life was like, no, she's going to die young. So, um, yeah, so I guess I dealt with that man. So I don't, I don't look at the why me thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think horrible things happen because horrible things happen. And also that man is so like the worst and best of humanity. Like, this thing happened. I was screaming and people came out. People were on the street because it was a beautiful summer night. Like people really were trying to be helpful. So, so I think people simultaneously are horrible and wonderful. And I just think it's stuff that we do. And I don't, I don't think God is there like a puppet. I think some people do that. I prayed five times for this and Bobby has not asked me to marry him. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't well, that's where I go. That's where I've always yeah. gone. It's like, you know, yeah. when something terrible happens, people are like, we're praying for you. What, what does that mean? Like, so the person who couldn't prevent the love of my life from dying suddenly is now the one who's going to be able to fix it all once it's happened. Like, I can't stop it, but when it happens, I'm your go-to guy. Like, it's just it's a yeah. weird, convoluted stream of consciousness that I can't buy into. But I understand... People do and, yeah. and, and need it, and I don't, I don't judge them. Maybe you so. haven't been to the right store. You haven't been to the right store. Yes, it loves you. Maybe okay. I'm in the wrong religion. Maybe that's it. I'm a Jew. It's all fucked up. Maybe I should try being a Pentecostal whatever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, one thing that I do regret about not going in the ambulance is that I could have called a priest, and he could have had, like, last rites and all of that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but- I don't get that either. It's like, yeah, you know what, yeah. thanks, buddy, but we're here because this shit didn't work but, for us. But so George, like we don't need, but, but we don't need saying, that last right stuff. George would have loved that. And let me tell you something, for the Catholics listening, for those that believe in transubstantiation and the Eucharist, like, when I go to Mass, traditional Mass, it's like, um, also, when I became Catholic, like, I'm like, this is only an hour. When I went to Pentecostal churches, if the Spirit took over, it could be five hours in church, Andy. That sounds almost as torturous as a Passover Seder. And and this is yet another reason <laughs> why I'm not doing this religious thing. It's like, you know what? If the Beatles all came back to life and did a concert, but they said it was going to be like four hours, five hours, I'd be like, you know what, guys? Can't do it. I get the attention span of a four-year-old. Give me a solid 90 minutes of the greatest hits. I, I don't know how... how... Long is Seder? It's only an hour, right? It depends where you go. Some people just never stop. It's like a, a like a loop. It just goes on and on. You could be there for days. They want to continue the prayer, continue his prayer. Yeah. So it's been five years. We all know the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. You know that's not true. Acceptance. You know that five stages of grief is because that was people that knew they were dying. You know that whole thing, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in the five stages of grief. Yeah, yeah, and I don't okay. believe in closure. But I want to ask you, are you done with the five stages? Have you found closure? Are you I, still in denial? Are you angry? Are you? Bar- I don't even understand what bargaining means. What does that mean? Bargaining. Depression I get. Yeah. Acceptance I get. But bargaining? Yeah. Never understood when that. When I learned the five stages were created, there were people that were terminally ill. They knew that they were dying. I was like, oh, okay. That's, I mean, those things are still valid. Um. 
this is such a cliche, but it slowly does get better. It was physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting. You know, you cry so much. You're like, oh, I'm dehydrated. I need some water. Um, mm-hmm. And I can totally understand why people want to die by suicide. So I would tell myself, let's wait till the trial. Then we can make those choices. And then you research how to do that on the internet and all that stuff. And then I, and I would think I would do it wrong. I can't follow a recipe. How I can't follow this? But um, I think it's more manageable now. I started taking improv. But I only had energy to be in the class. I couldn't do all the social things with people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm learning how to be social. Um, like I said, it was a big boulder and I feel like it's like a ball. Mm-hmm. And I make sure that those special dates, I don't know if you do this, those special dates like um, his murder day. Um, I make sure that I have stuff planned for that mm-hmm. and his birthday and our wedding anniversary and on my birthday. So those days don't just... um come over you because you may think like I'm four, four year in, I'm over this. And then you're like, oh no, right. a wave comes over you. Are, are the milestones for you different than every other day? Like is a random Tuesday any better or worse than murder day or birthday or your wedding anniversary? It, it's getting better. It's getting better because the therapist is like, make sure you plan for it. Like it just doesn't come over you. People have always asked me like on the murder day or, or birth, like, you know, how are you doing today? And, my answer is always just another day. I use the days to put her out in the world and remember her. But for me, a random Tuesday could be just as awful as her birth. Yeah. Like, but but I yeah. understand that some people who do tuck it away 363 yes. days of the year allow yeah. themselves to go, yeah. go there on the milestone days. So whatever any, makes people feel good. Do you consider yourself today, are you traumatized? Are you... PTSD? Um, Well, I think that I'm a different person after the crime. So things that didn't affect me um, as heavily do do affect me. So after George passed away, like New York City was too noisy. The subway was just like too much, Mm -hmm. too much noise. Um, My short-term memory was not that great. I was like, well, I guess I can't be an actor, but I I had to mourn that process. And that's why I started taking improv. I was like, well, I guess I can't do that. But I can do this. I can write. I can do all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to be acting again in a web series, which I'm excited about. So my brain is getting better. Um, I don't know if traumatized, but it does affect your body and it does affect your brain and your memory. And there's this book about trauma in the body. And and I started reading it and I just had to put it down. I'm like, that is so true. It made me sad. I was like, oh, okay. So these things are in our body. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want anyone touching me either. Even an improv class, I had to take my instructors aside and say, hey, I'm a crime survivor. I, there may be some exercises I don't want to do. Like, before, I didn't mind people coming behind me and be like, surprise, they don't like that anymore. Right. Sure. So, mm-hmm. And sometimes you tell this to people and they don't respect that. Well, um, this is why being a tragedy buddy is important. You have a shorthand. You speak the same language. You don't have to explain. People know it, right? Yeah. Uh, and most people don't. It's not you know, to their fault. It's like, thank God, uh, I say that as an atheist, thank God they've never experienced anything yes. like we have. And so they can go through life not understanding. Um, do you feel safe yeah. in New York now? Like, um, has it changed your view on the city? It has. It has. And oh my gosh, like it has so much. Like when I hear stories of, of crimes happening to people, like we know the process, medical examiner, we know the whole thing. So it does affect me. But um, my senses are uh, my, my senses were always heightened. Even I think growing up in New York City, the time that I did, 
I've traveled to other places in the world. I've been to the other hoods in the world. I'm like, well, this doesn't feel safe. Let's get out of here, guys. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to ask you about is being whole again and dating and finding love. You, rec <laughs> you recently posted something. You said, I'm dating, but I, I'm, maybe I'm going to take a break, whatever, because I've just finally realized, quote, I'm in love with a dead man. And I contacted you after that and just repeated that line. I said, my God, I just, I, I totally get it. And how has that been? I mean, you've been dating, what, a couple of years now? Like sporadically, nothing, mm -hmm. nothing really smooth. But, but you could put out a single, I'm in love with a dead man. And you could be like, I'm in love with a dead woman. And we could, that would be we could a, do probably a big hit. It's very uplifting, by the way. That's such a powerful thing to say. I'm in love with a dead person. So when you said it, like it's five years now, when you're out dating, do you find that like you just can't get beyond, you can't go over that wall because you're still um, in love with a dead person? And the most important question I want to ask you is, will you always be in love with that dead person? I think so. It's just like, which is really interesting. No, no one asks, you still love your mom? Why do you still love her? And it's so interesting when it's your spouse or partner that dies. You're like, you just can't say that. And also, our spouse's partners died. They didn't have a long disease. Someone else chose to take their life. So that's a totally different thing of someone dying of a long illness. Right. I mean, death is always terrible. But when it's like, we're planning for our future, and then it's like, oh, life is like, no, this is what we're doing. Um, do you find so yeah, that when so people, like if you're on a web, a dating site and someone says, uh, so were you married before? It's like, I don't want to even, I, I can't, like, not now, not now, because the story is just too complicated yes. and you yes. can't, you can't yes. go there. Yes. Me, yeah, yes, yes, and all that. So That's when you're on a date and, and you just start talking about the past, is that like the convo killer? No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is, it's like, not for me. I mean, because I'm, used to it but for them it is um or or when people really push it's like oh, i'd rather not talk about it he passed away they really want to know like answer homicide i don't know it's just yeah. i don't know you know you mentioned yeah. something before about um you get together and you get married and you plan your future and all that on july 4th 2017 you posted on your social media happy fourth a guy from texas marries a brooklyn girl and they live happily ever after a few weeks later he was dead <laughs> Right? That's just yes. life, right? That's life. Yes. That's that's our last video together. We got Love Greenpoint and we, um, there was like a groovy Catholic church mm -hmm. and they do like fun parties and we had such a great time. So I like to share that video every year. So does it make you angry? Do you get, do you, do you, five years later, do you ever stop and just think about that video until death do us part and fun and happiness and grow old together and just fucking get angry? I would get upset with George and also get upset with myself because it's like I left set early. So that makes me ups uh, a little upset with myself. Not as much anymore. I was like, well, you know, it's like the movie Sliding Doors. Well, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't come home early, then we wouldn't have been there. Then this wouldn't have happened. Then the other thing. Right. But just about like, I, so, I mean, more so like just in that life's unfair thing. You know, you'd look at people, you see people who are 95 years old holding hands, walking down the street and you're like, why did this happen to me? I used to get life? so pissed off at them. I used to get so pissed off at them. I used to right. get angry. But yeah. I don't get angry at those people anymore. But yeah, so I used to get mad at the couples. I was like, how dare you be happy and be in love? You know? Um, but I don't get I don't get upset when I see happy couples. Or I used to, I don't know if that happened to you. Like, you'd be like, 
why are they kissing, flaunting it out in, in the world? Um, no, I, I mean, for me, I just now look at them and I just, I, I feel like they're the lucky ones, you know? They got through whatever. Everybody has shit in their lives and some people have cheating, some people have illness. Nobody just coasts. No, Nobody flatlines through yeah. life. But, but I look at old couples and I'm like, they made it. They got, you yeah. know, they said till death do us part. They said we're going to grow old together and they're doing it. And so for me, I'm always like, why? I mean, Adrian was just an amazing person. She had this incredible daughter. Daughter's growing up without a mother. And I was madly in love. Like, But it's, I get back to that therapist. Shit happens. Shit happens. That's it. <laughs> me too. That's the only way me to get too. through and it I for guess, me. You know, shit happens. And I guess because they had shit happen to me as a child, like I, um, I wasn't raised with my parents. And my mother passed away who I really wanted to get to know. So I guess I had that pattern. I had that in the, in the background. I just, I think that I'm just a lot to handle. But also this whole George murder homicide thing, I think it's a, I, I, I look at it objectively and it's a lot for someone to date someone like me. And it, it, it is part of my little suitcase that I bring. Sure. Um, and I think that's a lot for people to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, and it's really hard. I mean, it's always been hard for me to put myself out there because the parental stuff, um, the people that are supposed to raise you leave you right right so it's hard for me to put myself out there put myself out there when, I, when i'm coming with like this huge boulder of baggage mm -hmm. like it's a complicated I mean. thing and you know <laughs> i can only speak for myself but you know it's it's something that you you take i will take with me forever with whoever so love is a weird thing it's not finite but uh the last thing i want to ask you is give you an opportunity you, you mentioned you're going to be on a web series but you want to plug something yeah. go ahead plug it plug it uh, what are you doing well, yeah. Okay, so I am Chrissy Carroll two one two on all the socials. Um, yeah, like up. Uh, I'm getting back into writing sketch. It's an old comedy. It's for women and non-binary folks. So, um, yeah, we're working on it. An episode should come out later on this year. We're all women on editing, producing it, filming it. Great. So that's the main thing. Well, you're still, you know, trying to navigate life. So that's, that's, and I could attest for the people out there listening, you're doing a pretty good job at it. So thank you for opening up and sharing your story and being so generous about it. And, uh, um, you know, see you in the hood. Yeah. Thank you, tragedy buddy. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy, and it was co-produced and co-edited by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. We'd appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review, and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards. Have a great week. Bye.